0: Good morning. It's another week. It's another empty church building. But we're so thankful for the technology which enables us to have this online church service. Now, church may be different at the moment, but God is still the same. He's still great. He's still wonderful, and he's still mighty. Let's listen to these words from Psalm 105. God's word says, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. And God has done lots of wondrous works. He's still great and he's still mighty. We're going to sing about that now in our opening song. It's a song that's familiar to us here in Carrick Baptist. It's called Behold Our God. The words will be on the screen, so feel free to join in and sing along and worship God at home.
1: Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at His voice All creation rises to rejoice E oh.
0: For our great God in prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we do thank you and praise you that you're a great God. You're a trying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have the freedom, the access to come before the mighty God in prayer. We thank you that you are the God who made us, who creates us, who sustains us, but we thank you you're not a distant God. We thank you are a good God. We know you're good because you've shown it in your love, demonstrated in your son, Jesus Christ, who came into our world, who died our death, took our place, rose again, and has given us salvation through faith in his name. And so we worship you and we praise you this morning. And we pray as we continue with this online service, may our eyes be fixed on Jesus. May you strengthen our faith. May you deepen our love for you And grow our dependency upon you as well. We come now and pray for our situation that's happening in the world. We pray for those who are sick this morning. We pray, Lord God, that you, the great physician, might touch their bodies and heal them. We pray for those who mourn and grieve the loss of a loved one. May you, the God of comfort, comfort them. We pray for those who are working in hospitals to help at the moment. May you strengthen them and sustain them. And we pray for our own congregation, for those who are doctors and nurses and frontline key workers. May you be with them. May they know your grace and strength at this anxious time. Bless them, we pray. And as we continue now in our service, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, over the last number of weeks, we've been thinking about prayer with the boys and girls in our kids' talk and how important prayer is. Now, we've been looking through this book here. I mention this every week, really recommend it. It's called What Every Child Should Know About Prayer. We've been learning lots of really important things. We've been thinking over the last few weeks that prayer is more than asking for things. And so a few weeks ago, we thought about praise in our prayers, that when we pray, We praise God for the great things he's done and the great person that he is, and we worship him. We were also thinking about when we pray, we should tell God how we feel. So if we're anxious or nervous or scared, we can share that with God. Now last week we were giving thanks for what God has done. God has done lots of wonderful things and we've lots to thank him for. Now last week I asked the boys and girls to send in a list. Could they come up with a list? A list of things to be thankful to God for and send it in to me. Now, thankfully, I had a response from two people, from Fraser and from Callum. It's great to know there was at least two children listening last week to our online service. Here's what Fraser sent in to me. He had lots of things to thank God for. He's thankful to God for the animals and schools and hospitals. Also, our church family. That's a great thing to be thankful for and many other things that are listed in his poster here. Callum, his brother, is thankful to God for our lives and for hospitals, but also for Godzilla as well. And if you know Callum, you will know that Godzilla is his favorite toy. It is great to have favorite toys as well. Now this week, we wanna learn that in our prayers, we can confess to God for what we have done wrong. Now to confess is to own up for something you've done wrong. Maybe you're at home, you're playing in the front room, you're messing about and you knock something over. Maybe you break one of your mum's ornaments. What do you do in that situation? Do you run? Do you hide? Do you try to cover up the evidence? Well, if you go and tell and say, mom, I've done this, that's really what confession is. It's owning up to the wrong things that we've done. And all of us have done wrong things. Here's a secret, boys and girls. See the adults? Maybe the adults sitting beside you at the moment? They do wrong things as well. They do wrong things all the time, and they need to confess it to God. We do wrong things in the things that we think, the thoughts that go through our mind. We do wrong things in the things that we say, and also the things that we do, and we need to confess it all to God. Now, we don't confess it to God so that he can tell us off. No, the reason he wants us to confess it to him It's because he wants to forgive us. And there's a great verse in the Bible, says these words, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. So that when we confess our sins, he will forgive us, to cleanse us. That means to make it as if it's never been there to wipe it clean away. Now that is a great verse. And last week I asked you to send in a list of things that we could be thankful for. Got another challenge for you this week, boys and girls. Here is a coloring in sheet with this verse, the words of this verse on it. And you can download this from the church website. If you color it in, take a photograph, uh, send it to me through WhatsApp or an email or some way that your parents can set up to send it to me. I'll show it next week, give you a mention, And it's a great way for you to learn this verse as well. But we are thankful that Jesus can forgive us when we do wrong things. And because he can, we can pray these words. You pray them along with me. God, I confess that sometimes I feel jealous of the things my friends have that I don't have. Please forgive me and help me to be content with what you provide for me. God, I confess that I have not always obeyed my parents. Please forgive me and give me a heart that wants to please you by obeying them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now we're actually gonna add in a children's song this week. It's one that we know really well here in Carrick Baptist. It's Mighty, Mighty Saviour. And so I encourage you to sing along at home. There are actions that go with this. So if you know the actions, join in now.
2: No one is good, no one is holy before God I need someone to cleanse me No one is pure, no one is righteous in your sight I need someone to save me
0: The coronavirus we've had to cancel lots of things and activities and meetings here in the church one of the things we had to cancel was last sunday evening when mervyn scott the director of baptist missions was coming along to share with us now thankfully mervyn has sent in a video message for us this morning just to keep us up to date with what's happening with our mission baptist missions obviously the virus has had a big impact upon what our missionaries can do at the moment so Mervyn's going to share with us, and after the end of this video, Karen Leon, one of the members of our Church Missionary Committee, is going to pray and pray for Baptist missions. And I encourage you to listen to what Mervin says, to take these things on board, and to include these prayer points in your own prayer life as well.
3: Hello there. My name is Mervin Scott, and it is my joy and privilege to serve the Association of Baptist Churches in Ireland as the Director of the Missions Department. Baptist Missions is your mission, and currently we support gospel workers in France, Ireland, Peru and Spain. Thank you so much for your ongoing prayers and financial support for Baptist Missions in these very unusual times that we are living in. Like many churches here, our team of missionaries are using different forms of social media to communicate the gospel and minister to people in their communities. From Paris to Passage West, Barcelona to Beltrubet, the good news of the saving power of the risen Lord Jesus is making an impact among people who are living in real fear at this moment. Here is how you can be praying for Baptist Missions today. Pray that through social media, the gospel will reach more and more people and that many will come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Pray for John Brew, stuck here in Ireland at the moment, but attempting to get classes in seminary in Tacna up and running using Zoom technology. Pray for the Registrar of the Seminary, Elizabeth Almanza who has recently been in the hospital but thankfully is at home now and recovering well. Staying in Peru, pray for Anna Reed, the younger daughter of Andrew and Ruth Reed. Anna is working short term in an orphanage in Haraz about 6 hours north of Lima by road. And pray for our workers in France and Spain where as you know the virus is having a devastating impact. Pray too that as we continue to pay our workers their full salary that God will continue to provide for all our needs as a mission. By now I hope you have heard of our Target 1000 initiative. You can go onto our website at irishbaptistmissions.org and join the team today. While there, you can sign up for our weekly prayer news and join with hundreds of others praying every week as the Lord Jesus continues to build his church through the work of Baptist missions. Thanks for listening, thanks for praying and thank you to you as a church for your ongoing support for this great gospel work that we're involved in together.
4: Good morning, let's pray. God, we thank you that in the middle of so much uncertainty, we can still come before you in prayer. We want to bring missionaries before you this morning and remember them in their different circumstances. We pray that at this time when social contact has been limited so much, that your word would reach many people through social media and that many would put their faith in you. We pray for John and Lourdes Bruy, who are unable to get back to Peru at the minute. Be with John as he works to set up classes at the seminary in Tacna. Bless him and his students and the other staff there as well. We remember the Registrar Elizabeth as she recovers from a stay in hospital and ask that you would be with her as she recovers. We also ask that you would be with Anna Reid as she works in Peru. Help her to feel your presence at such a challenging time to be so far from home. We ask that you continue to work through her and also that you would be with her family and the Elliots as well in Spain and bless them too. We pray for all of our missionaries in Ireland and especially remember the Gibsons and the Dixons and we ask that you would care for them and bless them and help them as they look for new ways to share you with others. In the middle of so many things to think about, we ask that you would give us a continued heart for mission. Help us to remember our missionaries in prayer and to support them as well. And also the part that we have to play in sharing your word in our world we ask all these things in jesus name amen
0: we're near the end of the book of joshua our series that we're doing on sunday mornings we've come to the penultimate chapter chapter 23 we're also near the end of the life of joshua himself he knows he's going to die soon he is after all hundred and ten years of age And what he does at this point in chapter 23 is he gathers the nation together, the nation of Israel, to communicate some final words. Imagine if you knew that your life was near an end. You gathered your family together, you brought your loved ones into the room, all those significant people, and you want to pass on some final words of wisdom. What would you say to those people? You'd want it to be something meaningful, you don't want to say anything that's flippant or careless. You want your final words to count and that's what joshua does here in joshua chapter 23 now one of our church members dennis old is going to read it to us now
5: lord Of god says in joshua chapter 23 verses 1 to 16 in the english standard version a long time afterward when the lord had given rest to israel from all their surrounding enemies and joshua was old and well advanced in years Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and ye have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess the land, just as the Lord your God has promised you. Therefore be very strong to keep to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that ye may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations, and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts a flight to a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed. Of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you, all have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you so that the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and go and serve other gods And bow down to them then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off
0: the good land that he has given you so reads the word of the Lord thank you Dennis now last Monday the Prime Minister addressed the nation we knew it was going to be something very significant when we heard the broadcast was coming on in fact, 28 million people across the UK gathered around their televisions last Monday night to listen to Boris Johnson. And during his broadcast, he gave give us some words of instruction, some words of instruction that will radically change the way that we live our lives, the limitations on the things we can do. Now, what people actually do with Boris Johnson's instructions is going to have a massive effect upon our nation. In fact, the words that he give to us are a matter of life and death. And in the Joshua chapter 23, which Dennis has just read for us, it's the Old Testament equivalent of a leader addressing the nation. There's no TV or internet in those days. And so the children of Israel gather together to listen to Joshua's final address, his final words to the nation. And in this address to the nation, he passes on some important advice. Some important advice about how they should conduct their lives and whether they heed his final words or not will also be an important matter. It'll be a matter of life or death for the nation. And in these final words, Joshua tells them two things. He can be summarized in two words, done and do. What he first of all does is he looks back and he reminds the nation what God has done, what God has done in the past. And then he looks forward and he instructs the people, the children of Israel, what they are to do. So what God has done, and in the light of what God has done, what they should do as a nation. Now, Joshua's final words have great spiritual relevance, I believe, for us even today. Even though they were written thousands of years ago, they still have relevance to us. So let's all tune into these words and let's all take heed of them as well. The first thing Joshua does is he reminds them what God has done for them as a people, as a nation in the past. And so in verse three, he tells the people, you have seen all that the Lord your God has done. The children of Israel have certainly witnessed great acts, great acts of God with their own eyes. Now, in the past, they had heard stories. They'd heard stories of things they'd never seen. Perhaps their parents had told them about the Passover in Egypt. They told them the incredible story of the Red Sea parting and coming through to dry land. But that's all they were. They were stories from the past. But in the last few years, they've actually seen God do incredible things in front of them. They crossed the River Jordan in dry land. They stood there and they shouted as the walls of Jericho crumpled before their very eyes. They'd been there in countless victories as they conquered the promised land. And what had God done throughout all those things? Well, we're told that the Lord had fought for them. Let's listen again to verses 9 and 10 as I read them again. "'For the Lord has driven out before you "'great and strong nations.'" And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he had promised. It was the Lord who had fought these victories for them. In fact, it says there, the Israelites were a thousand times stronger than their enemies. One man is able to defeat a thousand. That's supernatural power, supernatural strength. And the reason for that is not because they and themselves had that strength. It was God himself who had fought for them. That's what God had done. He had fought for them, but not only had he done that, he had also kept all his promises. Years before, centuries before, God had promised his people a promised land, At the start of the conquest, at the start of Joshua, the start of our series that we began back in January, we read that God had promised them success, that they would conquer the land. And God, throughout the pages of Joshua, has been faithful to his promises. Let's listen to verse 14. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word is filled of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has filled. All God's promises have been fulfilled. And so this is what God has done for his people. He's fought for his people, and he has been faithful as well. And then what Joshua does is he turns to the people. He says, this is what God has done for you look back and think about it, but here's what you need to do in response to what God has already done for you. Because you see, that's how the Bible actually works. All the other religions in the world use the other order. They start with, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, or you need to do that, and you might earn favor. You might gain reward from your deity who you believe in. Do this and then this deity will do something for you. He'll give you peace. He'll give you happiness, whatever. The Bible, though, is completely different because it always starts with God. It's always God who takes the initiative. And so when you read the Bible, it always goes in this order. Here is what God has done for you. And because God has done this already for you, this is what you do in response to that. Let's think about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is that great to-do list of the Bible, this to-do list that shows us how to have a godly life. Now, God didn't say, Do this and follow these commandments, and then I will do something for you. He actually started the other way around. He actually started by saving them and delivering them. God's people had been slaves. They had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, God rescued them. It was that night of the Passover when the angel of the Lord came to the land. The Egyptian firstborn died and God's people were saved. And Pharaoh sent them out of the land. God delivered them. And then he brought them through the Red Sea. He parted it and he brought them through to dry land. He rescued them. And after they came through to the other side, after they rejoiced and praised God for their salvation, he brought them to Mount Sinai. And there in Mount Sinai is when God gave them the commandments. And so he says, here's what I've done for you. I've saved you. I've rescued you from slavery, from bondage, from the rule of Pharaoh. I've brought you out and I'm bringing you to the promised land. This is what I've done. Now here's how you act. Here's what you do in response to my love, my grace, and my mercy. You see, godly living is not about winning favor from God. It's not trying to earn merit with him. No, no, no. God has already done something great before that. Godly living is always a response to God's goodness in our lives. Now, let's pause there before we go go on, because it's always good to remind ourselves what God has done for us. Those stories about Egypt, those stories about the Promised Land, they're for other people. They're for things that happened historically in the past. But God has also done incredible things for us. The initiative always starts with God. So what does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us that we are made in his image. We're different from the other creatures, the other animals that live here. We're made with a unique dignity and worth and value. We're also told in the Bible that God loves us. And he loves us despite what we have done. If we're honest with ourselves, we've all... Rebelled against the God who made us, we do our own things, we satisfy our own longings, we disobey those ten commandments that he 's given to us, and yet He still loves us, and He loved us so much that He gave us his greatest thing and so John three and sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave, He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him won 't perish but have everlasting life, and so he gave us a savior. His perfect son, Jesus, who willingly came and died on a cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, taking the punishment that a holy God requires because of our sin. But Jesus, our substitute, took our place. He died for us. He was buried. He rose again, and he gives us, he offers us salvation if we turn and trust him. And in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, It says that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing that we could long for, that we could hope for, that we could desire for, God has given it to us in Christ Jesus, his son. Ephesians 1 goes on to list the number of blessings that come if we have faith in Christ Jesus. It says he's redeemed us through his blood. He's redeemed us. That comes from the word redemption. Redemption means to buy back, to set free. Often it was used in biblical times for a price that was paid to set a slave free. That's what Jesus has done. He's paid the price for us, people who are slaves to sin, to be set free. And he did it by shedding his blood, the ultimate price on the cross for us. Ephesians 1 goes on to say, he's forgiven us by his grace. He's forgiven us. He's taken our sins and He's put them as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says He chooses to remember them no more. Why? By His grace. We don't deserve it, and yet He gives it to us as this free gift. It goes on to say He has united us to things on earth and heaven. We've been united to Christ Himself. Isn't that incredible? Humans like us, humans who have done wrong, can be united, joined together with the Holy God, have a relationship with Him. And then it also says in Ephesians 1 that He has given us an inheritance, an eternal inheritance, a heavenly inheritance that will never fade away. God has done so much for us in His Son, Christ Jesus. So this is what God has done for us. What does it require? It always requires a response. And after reminding the people for all that God had done for them, Joshua instructs the nations, the nation of Israel, what they should do in response. And that response is summarized in this passage, Joshua 23, by three words. The first word is obey. The second one is cling. And the third one is love. And so they are to obey God. They are to cling to God. And they are to love God as well. Let's unpack the first one, to obey. Now, Joshua has found that to be the key to his success throughout his life and throughout the conquest of the promised land. So back in chapter one, where we started our series, God gave Joshua command as he takes over the leadership from Moses. He said, be strong, be of good courage, make sure you obey all my words. And if you obey my words, if you obey my instructions, you will have great Success. And so here in Joshua 23, as he comes to the end of his life, as he has learnt that that was of great value in his life to listen to those words that God gave him, he says something similar to the rest of the nation. Let me read from verse 6. Therefore, be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. That's what you've got to do, he says to the people. You've got to obey God's word. Make sure you don't deviate. Don't go to the right or go to the left because then that's a disaster. Last year, we as a family went on holiday to Vancouver in Canada to visit family, to visit my sister in law and brother in law. I don't think we'll be going anywhere on holiday this summer with all the restrictions. But when we went there, we actually hired a car and we had a car for our family. And my brother-in-law had his car and he wanted to show us some of the sights. And so we traveled around the Vancouver area. We also headed across the border a few hours down into America and went spent some days in Seattle as well. I'd never been on these roads before. I'd never driven there. I had no idea where I was going. It was totally unfamiliar for me. And so as we drove along, My brother-in-law, Patrick, always led the way. He knew where he was going, and my job was to follow him. How important it was to stick close to where he was going, not to deviate to the left or the right, because any deviation would lead me into a difficult place. I would be completely lost. We would be stranded if I deviated. It's the kind of image we have here. see God's Word? It is your guide for life. It is your guide that will take you through life in the correct path. It will show you the way God, who knows all thing, things and who is good, this is the way he has set out for you to live your lives. And so, don't deviate to the left and don't drift off to the right, but keep on following and obeying God's word. Now, there's one specific instruction that Joshua highlights here to the people. And the instruction that comes out of God's word is, don't mix with the other nations. As you settle down in the promised land, don't mix with the other nations who live round about you. Don't start to intermarry with them. Because if you do that, you'll start to worship their gods as well. Don't deviate. Don't deviate into a place where you will follow other gods keep obeying God's word. Because God wanted his people to be a separate people. He wanted his people not to worship these false gods, but he wanted his people to be faithful to him alone. So that was the first word, obey. The second word is cling. We read about it in verse 8. But you shall cling to the Lord, your God, just as you have done to this day. That was a word that was used last week when we looked at chapter 22. The word cling means to hold on fast. And often in the Old Testament, it's used in the context of marriage. To cling to something in marriage describes the closest human bond. And so husbands and wives, even right back at the start in the book of Genesis, are told to cleave to one another, to cling to one another. And that kind of image speaks of total commitment. And so a husband who clings to his wife is faithful. He is faithful to his wife alone. He doesn't wander off. He doesn't flirt around. He doesn't play the field. He is totally devoted to the one he loves. That's what God says to his people. Israel told to cling to the Lord, to be totally faithful and totally devoted to him alone. So they are to obey, they're to cling. And then thirdly, they are to love the Lord. Let me read verse 11. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Be very careful. Give every attention to loving the Lord. You see, words are cheap. Anybody could say, I love you. But you've got to actually act it out in the way that you behave as well. I can tell my wife, Joanne, I love you. It's easy to say, but how do you prove it? Well, you prove it in your actions. You prove it in the actions, the way you speak to her, the way I treat her, the way I care for her as well. And Israel will prove that they love the Lord by obeying him, by clinging to him, by serving him, and by living for him alone. And then Joshua finishes with a warning, because there's always a consequence in Scripture. God always sets out, this is how I want you to live, and there's blessing here, but there's always consequences if we disobey God's Word. God says, if you disobey me, if you don't obey me, you don't cling to me, you don't love me, I will remove you from this land. And sadly, that's the story of much of the rest of the Old Testament. The people continue to forget what God has done for them. They continually failed to obey him, to cling to him, and to love him. And as a result, they paid the consequences. They spent many years in exile, many years living outside of the promised land. Now, here's the reality. God has done something greater for us than he ever did for his Old Testament people. He hasn't given us a promised land. He's given us a saviour one who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. God has done so much for us in his Son, Jesus Christ. What are we going to do in response to what God has already done for us? Do you know what our response should be? Our response should be the same three things. We should obey God, we should cling to him, and we should love him with all our heart, and with all our soul, Do you know, there's lots of things we're being told at the moment in our nation. Lots of things we need to remember, like wash your hands, wash them properly, keep a distance, don't touch your face, which is really, really hard to stop doing. But here's three greater things from the mouth of Joshua, that great spiritual leader. We need to obey God, we need to cling to God, and we need to love God as well. Perhaps you've never obey God. You've never fully obeyed God. Yes, you might be a good living person, but you've never fully obeyed God. You've never obeyed that instruction, that important instruction that he gives to repent and believe the gospel. You've never turned and you've never trusted him. You've never acted in response to what he has done for you in his death and his burial and his resurrection. You've never thanked God for what he's done And you've never come to his great love and trusted him as your Savior. Can I urge you? Can I encourage you? Can I plead with you to start there? If you've never responded to what God has done to you in Christ Jesus, come. Come and put your faith and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when you have done that, as many many of you have who are watching today, the Christian life continues by obeying God. We need to spend time in his word. How do we know what to obey? How do we know what to follow? We discover it when we read his word and he clearly sets out how he wants us to live our lives. And as we read God's word, we need to pray. And we need him to help us, ask him to help us, not only to understand it, but to believe it, to obey it, and to put it into practice in our lives. And so we all need to obey God. We also need to cling to the Lord. Let's view it like our marriage relationship. So don't have a wandering eye. And there will be temptations in this life. There'll be weak imitations all around that look appealing and it'll try and take the affections of your heart that you might follow after that instead of following after the living God. But don't go there. Instead, cling fast, hold fast to the Lord. So let's obey the Lord. Let's cling to him. And let's thirdly and finally be careful to love God. The Lord. Some people are hard to love. We have a phrase here we use in Northern Ireland only a mother could love a person like that. That's somebody you come across in life, and it's hard to find a reason why anybody would love them. Only a mother could love a person like that. But when it comes to God, there's no shortage of reasons whatsoever. There's an abundance of reasons why we should carefully love the Lord. Think about His love, His love for people like me and people like you. Think about His grace, where He offers us stuff that we don't deserve. Think about His mercy, where He holds back things that we do deserve, judgment and His wrath because of our sin, and yet He's a good God. There are countless reasons. Think of the blessings, the things that He gives us on a daily basis. And as we think about the goodness of God, Let's keep on loving him in response. Well, did you listen to Boris's address to the nation a few days ago? I wonder if you did listen to him, are you heeding the instructions that he has given to us as a nation, how we should guard our lives in the incoming days? Well, we also need to listen to Joshua's instructions, those words that Joshua gave in his address to the nation. We need to heed these instructions to obey God, to cling to him, and to love him as well. That's difficult to do, so let's pray, and let's ask God to help us as we do that. Dear Father, we want to praise you today. We want to praise you for all the incredible things you've done for us. You have made us. You have loved us. You've loved us despite of our rebellion, despite of our sin, and you've given us your best. You've given us your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior, the one who died in our place, he rose again and offers us a great salvation. And so in response to that, may we give you our all. May we believe the gospel. May we trust in Jesus to be our Savior. And may we obey you. May we follow after your word. May we cling to you. May we be faithful to you and you alone. And may we be careful to love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We are weak, we are prone to wander, we are prone to disobey, we are prone to drift off. And so help us and fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might respond in the right way with all of our heart and with all of our soul. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. We're going to continue to worship God in our closing song this morning. The song is entitled, Christ is Enough. And that is true, Christ is Enough for everything we need in this life and for the life to come as well. This song was recorded by one of the praise groups here in the church. you can also find it on the CD that we produced as a church family before Christmas entitled, Give Me Jesus. The words will be on the screen, so let's sing along at home. I want to thank you for joining us this morning for our service. I do trust that it's been a help, a spiritual help and a blessing. If you want to chat to me about spiritual things, you want to contact me, you can find contact details on our church website or you can send a private message through our Facebook page. We've also set up a WhatsApp group for our church family just to give them prayer points at this time. And if you haven't been added to that group and you would like to be added, please contact me and I will add you into it. We've also set up a care team. We realize that in these days, in these days of self-isolation, there's some people who mightn't be able to get to the shops, mightn't be able to pick up a prescription. And if you need any help, our care team in church will be delighted to help you at this difficult time. So just contact us again through our website, private message through the Facebook page, and we will help you in whatever way we can. But this morning, as we come to an end of our service, let's listen to these words from Numbers chapter 6. God's word says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.